How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the One Word Podcast. We are here today with Dr. Eugene Hobbecker once again. This is part two of our conversations um, and another episode in our leadership sessions. For those that are just joining us, Dr. Hobbecker is the former president of Taylor University as well as the American Bible Society. So he's got a wealth of information, a wealth of wisdom for us, especially coming from his book that he recently published titled The Softer Side of Leadership. So we're psyched. We're especially psyched because we got him on the hot seat as we start out this part two of our conversation with Dr. Eugene Hobbecker. So we hope you guys enjoy, and here we go. All right, Dr. Hobbecker, we are loving all that we're learning from you on leadership, but we want to take a little bit of break from the seriousness of leadership and ask you okay, a question right. that is will resonate more with our Taylor University alumni audience or maybe those who are still enrolled. But we have to know, if you had to stay one night in a dorm at Taylor, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I, I am an alum for two years of Sammy Morris and an alum for two years of Wingetts. Oh, oh, wow. Right down the middle. Right down the middle. So What's I would probably split the night oh, that's between a- Morris and Wingetts. I think yeah. you just need to try a night in Bergwall. Oh, that's where you got to steer clear from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's uh, that. That's my home. I mean, that's where I. That's where I grew up. Now, again, uh, the Sammy Morris that I lived in was not the Sammy Morris that's on campus now. Okay, that that's was true. That's true. that was the old Sammy Morris. You know, where in the middle of a cold winter morning, you could actually scrape the frost off your wall. You know, I mean, it was wild. It was wasn't the best constructed oh, building. Uh, and then of course the Wingus that I lived in is the Wingus that's there now. Yeah. You know, 123, you know, uh, East, that was my room. Yeah. You know, so I, I was, it. I was one floor above you my first year, 223. Yeah. yeah. Never but forget. I, those residential experiences though, actually, uh, you know, are, are unforgettable. My freshman year, we had three people in a room, you know, Ooh. in a, in, in the bunks where it was a three person bunk you know, three bunks high. And the person yeah. who got to the, who was in the top bunk, you know, you had to be careful because you were right up there where the light is. And if you kind of twisted or turned the wrong way, you'd knock the, the light fixture off. <laughs> off the wall. But students would ask me, students would ask me, okay, what, what stories, tell me some of the pranks that you did. Oh, as a yeah. I said, those go with me to my grave. But we had some to be sure. Oh, good, good. Well, okay, good. I'm glad that, that you, I guess, did the right, the right answer. I'm going to take it as you would go for wingets, but at least, yeah, we got we got something out of you. That's good. That's good. Okay. All right. So um, moving on, we've just got a couple more questions for you before we wrap up. So, in your opinion, what is one of the greatest challenges facing a Christian leader in a post-Christian world? Well, that's a really that's a great question. Um, but I think what I see happening now, and if you read Christianity Today, which is a, an enterprise that I'm privileged to chair the board of, mm-hmm. you'll see lots of articles about leaders who get leadership wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, they may be right on the truth side, 
but they have totally disconnected the action side from the truth side. And you can't do that if you're a leader. You know, for example, two of the ideas that I discuss in terms of what leaders should reflect is that leaders should reflect the heart of a shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the people. Yet I see people in leadership in big churches and other churches where it's all about the power card. I mean, I was reading something the other day where somebody said it this way. We need to break the yoke of power motivated controlling leadership. I like that. We need to break the yoke of power motivated controlling leadership because it doesn't reflect the heart of what our what our Lord talked about. So, you know, so I think the heart of a shepherd is one of the marks uh, of what leaders need to address at the attitude of a servant. It's not one or the other, it's both and. You know, of course, the servant tile that you guys are very familiar with, you know, uh, uh, at Taylor, yeah. you know, should, should mark our lives. So I think, I think one of the things that uh, Mary Lou and I are really committed to is to help, help to model a different idea of what leadership looks like. You know, D David said this, um, that, that David realized that he had been made king for the benefit of the people. Think about that. David realized he had been made king for the benefit of the people. I mean, that's really why you're in leadership. It's not, it's never about you. It's, it's about the people you are privileged to lead and serve. And how are you helping them grow? How are you helping them achieve their potential? How are you preparing them? Because, you know, this is the one thing I, when Mary Lou and I were at Taylor, we never saw students just as students. We saw you guys as the next generation that's going to, they're going to be making all the decisions, you know, in nonprofits and businesses, and you're going to be judges, you're going to be surgeons, you're going to be, you know, holding all. And, and we wanted to do our part to help prepare you, you know, for those roles and responsibilities. And so we always had this incredible respect for students, you know, and I mean, it was just our amazing privilege to serve there for 11 years and uh, maybe add a little value to your lives or help you wrestle with some of the issues that we knew you're, you were going to have, have to face. So I think I think one of the big the big issues that that concerns me uh, is that. And I have a chapter in the book on this, as, you, as you'll note, is that there's there's an overemphasis on leadership and an underemphasis on followership. Hmm. And if we get followership wrong, if everybody wants to be the leader, you know, we're not going to understand what it means to follow Christ. You know, uh, we're not going to understand what Paul said, follow me as I follow as I follow Christ. I mean, there's a sense in which we also need to, to understand followership. And by that, I mean the leader is let – me, let, me, let me put it this way. A leader is not always a leader. A leader from time to time has to take off the leader hat and wear a follower hat. When I went to a faculty meeting at Taylor, I took off my leadership hat and I put on my follower hat because the faculty knew far more about curricular matters and about putting together academic majors and programs than I did as president. And if I if I insist on always wearing that leadership hat, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss learning the learning that I need to learn, and 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 the I will miss respecting all of the incredible gifts that faculty and staff add to an enterprise like Taylor University. Well, I'm always the leader. No, I, I have the position of authority as president, but I would tell people I am not the president of Taylor. I serve as the president of Taylor. You understand the, the difference? 
It's a difference with a distinction. I because otherwise it says my whole role is tied up in my position. I am the president, or I am the senior pastor, or I am whatever. Fill in the blank. No, we have the privilege of serving in those roles, and and we'll make the right decision. God helping us as long as as we're able to. And when God says, you know what, it's time to move on, we do it with joy grateful for the privilege that God has given us to serve. You know, those are examples of the kinds of attitudes that I don't see in a lot of Christian leaders. You know, yeah. Jesus linked, you know, we talk about love, the importance of love in the Christian culture. Jesus seldom talked only about love. Let me give you an example. John 15, 14, you know, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You know, whoever, John 14, 15, he that says he loves me will keep keep my commandments. In other words, there was always an action that was linked to the way he talked about love. It's mm -hmm. love in action. So I think, you know, how can you be a senior pastor of a church? And I'm not going to mention any names here, but I'll give you an illustration. Be a senior pastor of a church and, and write really good stuff, you know, in terms of, of, of truth but take home a salary of 1.4 million every year. Hmm. And that, that just does not make sense to me in terms of, of, of the missional dimensions of, of, of what a leader, a leader does. So I think that's, it's, it's, it's helping people understand, under, embracing a new model of what, of what leaders, leaders are. And I think it's a matter of combining, as I say in the book, the hard skills, but also with the soft skills. If you, if you don't get the soft skills right, if you don't understand cultures of forgiveness, if you don't understand what it is to trust, you know, et cetera, uh, you're gonna be in trouble in your leadership. If you have no accountability, one of the questions that I ask in leadership is who can say no to you and make it stick? Hmm. Now you think about the leaders that you work with and you ask yourself that question, who actually can say no to that leader and make it stick? Wow. And, and what I've observed is that if you have nobody in your life as a leader, who can say no to you and make it stick, you're, you're on a slippery slope. And it's not a matter of whether you will crash, you will crash, it's just a matter of how quickly you get there. Because we all need accountability, you know? I mean, Jesus in, his, in, his, in the gospels, I am the father of one, I can do nothing apart from the father. If you see me, you've seen the father. I mean, he never tried to do it on his own. You know, you had that link to, to the father in terms of, 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 of how, he, how he lived and how he served. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point of, of leadership. Who can say no to you and make it stick? That's powerful. And accountability, that, that leads us into our last question for you coming from Josh. Josh, you want to wrap this last question up? Last question, before the last question, I kind of wanted to fill in our listeners. You mentioned the Taylor's servant towel. I want yep. to tell them what that is so they can get a picture of it. Oh, the yeah, Taylor, great. Oh, great. Yeah, the, the Taylor's servant towel is given to all Taylor students um, upon graduation. But before graduation, uh, all of the, uh, on a floor or a hall, all of the upperclassmen, the returning students will wash the feet of the incoming freshmen mm -hmm. on their first kind of floor gathering, get together to show uh, that, to embody that servant leadership aspect. And then all the freshmen will get their towel and then on graduation, they'll get their other towel. So I kind of want to fill in our audience on uh, mm -hmm. that because it's a, a cool way to do things. And maybe it's something you could implement at your organization, your church, your school, whatever it is, uh, in your family, whatever it is, among your friends, it's a very cool practice mm -hmm. to do. Um, I'll tell you, when I got my servant towel at a trustee meeting by the leaders of the student senate, 
I mean, I, 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 I cried. It was so moving. It was so overwhelming and such a powerful reminder of why I was there hmm. and it was there to serve and, oh. and to, to love these wonderful students that God had given to us. So cool. Thanks for your emphasis, man, on the reminder that um, Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And if yeah. we stray away from that as his followers, then we're in dangerous territory. Because we're called to be servants and we're called to serve. Absolutely. Uh, so thanks so much, Dr. Heibacher. And uh, we wanted to ask you, um, at Taylor, during your time, there is a huge emphasis on scripture engagement. And you really championed and brought that idea to Taylor. Would you mind kind of sharing um, the importance of scripture engagement and how you got Taylor to buy into that? Yeah, well, it has. first of all, it's a God thing. You know, it's 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 something that I think as a student, as as a, when Mary Lou and I were undergraduates of Taylor, you know, people would always talk about the importance of Scripture. But but too often, you know, we we have Bibles on our shelves, but we're not regularly engaging with the Scripture. And you know, coming to Taylor from the American Bible Society, uh, that was a huge emphasis that we. That we had there you know not just to distribute it not just to make sure people had another version uh, of a bible but they give people tools that allow them to understand it to engage it and actually live the word that's really the the operative word to i mean small w to live the word of god in your lives that connection between knowing truth and then living truth and so uh, when we came to taylor uh, we basically said you know what um uh, we we can probably make this an even even stronger emphasis. And so there are a lot of things that you remember, uh, you know, that we tried to do. First of all, I, I would say to students, and maybe you remember me saying this, uh, we had we created this scripture reading guide, you know, to get students to read through the scripture every year, and hopefully not just get students into the scripture and faculty and staff into the scripture, but hopefully get scripture into us. You know, that's that's really the the operative operative term. And I would say it's not. I'm not trying to talk you out of something you're already doing, but if you're not doing something, here's something, you know, you can do. And Mary Lou and I still follow, you know, that guide, you wow. know, that has Taylor University on it. And, you know, it's an Old Testament reading. It's a Psalm reading. It's a Proverbs reading. And it's a New Testament reading. And it's amazing to see how the old and new and all of this is integrated together into a common theme, how the Old Testament illuminates. You know, you don't get from the old to the new without going through the gospels you don't get from the new to the uh the the uh, new to the old without going through the gospel so you know the the gospels were the transition point so so then we began to say well maybe we ought to have some kind of an academic center and that led to uh the center for scripture engagement that we established at taylor which uh, that you guys i think uh may have had some experience with as undergraduates which has become a, a powerhouse led by dr phil collins who uh, many Taylor people will remember, the actually the son-in-law of Jay Kessler, our uh, beloved uh, former president as well. Mm -hmm. And 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 the, the interesting thing is now in April, arriving arising out of that Center for Scripture Engagement, Thomas Nelson is releasing the Abide Bible, which is using the apparatus developed by the Taylor University Center for Scripture Engagement, giving people a different way of how do you engage scripture. So. Uh, you're right. That is a that's something that Mary Lou and I try to practice on a regular basis. It's certainly something we're passionate about. Something you heard us. I don't think I ever really talked in any chapel address I ever gave at Taylor without a a strong dose of the scripture, you know, embedded 
uh, into it because uh, that's yeah. that's who we are. Yeah. Uh, and then encouraging you to make that all a, a, a part of your commitment to engage scripture, you know, for your lifetime. Man, it's so good. I, Josh and I both actually had the privilege of being in many classes with Dr. Collins and he just emulated and impressed on that or on us as students, that idea of scripture engagement and specifically of, I remember he would always talk about the verse in Hebrews that says, we're not just hearers, but doers of the word. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that exactly. is something that I took away from literally every class session was like, man, I want to be more like that guy who just cannot get enough of the scriptures of the word of the way that God has chosen to reveal himself to us primarily. Yeah, and and we're, that's what he calls us to do today in today's world. You know, uh, you know, I think of the, the verse in, uh, I think it's uh, Galatians five, you know, where, where we're called uh, in that letter to, as you therefore have opportunity, you know, do good to everyone, especially those of the household of faith. I mean, so the common good, I mean, the kind of thing where today's in today's, you know, setting in context, we're called to do good, you know, uh, and that's one of the ways. And Jesus said it himself in Matthew five, let your lights so shine before people that they see your good works. And as a result, we'll give glory to, to your father who's in heaven. And so it's, it's truth to be sure but it's truth expressed as love in action. Uh, and I think a lot of that is informed by our commitment to scripture engagement and getting to know as much of Christ as we can, even as we get to know as much of much of ourselves as we can and give it to him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Habecker, thank you so much for Thanks so much. spending time with us. We, oh, we, with love, joy. It. we love it. Yes. With we really joy. It. Thank you so much. You dropped such a, wealth of wisdom and knowledge on uh, us and our listeners i took plenty of notes here and um thank you so much seriously it's such an honor to have you on well keep uh, up I your great you work see. you're doing good things Woo! dr hobecker just bringing the heat beyond thankful that he was able to join us for the one word podcast uh, so, so good to hear from him, to learn from him, especially about something like the softer side of leadership that isn't talked much about in leadership circles or conversations surrounding leadership. So we loved getting able to hear from him. We hope that you guys did too. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our other ones, share it, like it, leave a review, give us a rating, whatever you got to do. It helps us out so much. And if you don't have the latest One Word gear, hit up www.onewordbrand.com. Stay informed, up to date with what is going on with One Word Brand. Hey, we love you guys. We are pumped. Josh and I are getting back on the One Word podcast together coming up soon. So stay tuned. Until then, we hope that you guys have a good one.